Cosmic Salon, and I have Nick from New York Patriot and the Occult Rejects. I know a lot of you out there know of Nick and the work he's been doing. I have been very much enjoying a couple of the series, I guess you would say, the eyeball, the eye series has been really what caught my eye my eye <laughs> har har initially and so we're in house today with Nick and I'm going to bring on Nick so that he can give us a short bio on who he is and where he comes from so with that Nick it's a pleasure to have you on the cosmic salon today how are you doing I'm doing good I'm doing very good and uh, thank you for asking me to come on yeah well it's a <laughs> it is a pleasure. Are you in New York now? Yes, I'm uh, still currently in New York. I probably will be for like the next you know, two or so years, but eventually leaving, but still New York. Who are you, Nick? I grew up in New York, uh, Long Island, uh, my whole life. I grew up out in uh, Suffolk County for the most part. Um, kind of why I was like, I don't know if you've noticed, I've also covered stuff with Gilgo Beach recently. I was not too far from there, so I was, like, out in the island. Um, been here my whole life. Eventually, like, made it out to Queens and then realized I didn't like it there and came back to Nassau. But I've stayed out here my whole life in New York. And um, I guess at a young age, I uh, had bought into the idea of, um, you know, ghosts, UFOs, aliens, all that stuff, uh, high strangeness. Um, you know, I had bought into that. Uh, my family seemed to have kind of believed it um living on long island there's always folk tales you know fairy you know these these stories about like you know the native americans uh, the houses are haunted lands are haunted because there was native american burial grounds yes uh, i lived i lived near lake ronkonkoma and there's a big huge lore with that where for a while we did have a male dying every year in the lake drowning and there was a story behind it that I think there was a princess of some Indian tribe who wanted to marry a, a white guy and the father wasn't having it. And I think he didn't allow it to happen. So then like she did some curse where I think every year they'll lose, you know, you'll lose a, a white guy to the pond, to the lake. Uh, so there was like always just weird lore and I mean, tons of stuff about Long Island, always hearing about Plum Island, things washing up on the shore or, you know, Brookhaven Labs. Just so even growing up, I guess then it was considered gossip, but now it would be considered conspiracy theory. <laughs> I was around a lot of that. So I was just always into like, you know, what's really going on, you know, and very open to stuff. So I guess as I started to get older and got into my teens, I still did believe in uh, 
I guess, you know, UFOs, ghosts, and started to, I guess, believe the idea that magic is real or witchcraft, or that's all part of the paranormal. That would all fit into there, I guess. That's how I looked at it then. And I could see how it does in a way. Um, but I, uh, so I guess having that belief, um, eventually when I got older, I'm 45 now, and I probably got into my early 30s, is when I started probably getting into like uh, conspiracy theories and stuff like that, or you know, really like looking at alternative news. And uh, I quickly, I guess, because of the people that I came across, like Jordan Maxwell, Michael Tassarian, uh, uh, David Icke, uh, Tess Passio, you know, a lot of people like that from back in the day. Um, a lot of them did focus on occultism. And since I guess I kind of had the belief in the paranormal and witchcraft and thinking all that stuff was real, that caught my attention. And I uh, did kind of start to believe that maybe that stuff does have an influence in this world in reality. So I kind of just started getting heavier into that when it came to like looking up uh, alternative stuff to learn or listen to. And uh, at some point, I guess years later, I was like, you know, I'm learning all this stuff. This guy says this is that. This person says this is that. All these things. Uh, this order started here. This order started there. And I was like, I still have no idea what magic is. <laughs> like, I'm chasing dates, names, lodges, uh, societies. I was like, but I still have no idea what it actually is or what it does. So uh, I was like, maybe I'll order some books. Can start looking into stuff. Um I did hit up uh, somebody I knew from school that I went to school with that I knew uh, was open then about being into witchcraft. And I told them that I was interested in some stuff and they sent me a couple of book suggestions. And I got those and started going through them and uh, started to even notice, you know, and you're going to see it everywhere, I guess, even on online, it doesn't matter. But uh, I started noticing like discrepancies where, um, I mean, not knocking the guy, I liked his stuff. Donald Michael Craig had... Uh, 12 or 13 lessons in witchcraft and he does quote uh crowley's liberation there and the liberation he's telling you to do was different than the liberation i had in my hand that crowley wrote so i was like okay well there's this difference here why is that yes so then i was like even skeptical of books <laughs> <You know? laughs> so i was like oh man i was like maybe just i'm gonna see if any of these places are near me and I would have preferred probably more of a Golden Dawn type of thing. Um, I did think Crowley was an occult genius, but I just, I'm not too sure what type of man he really was. Uh, I'm sure he did some wild stuff. So I don't put him up on a pedestal as a human being, really. But as an occultist, I think he knew what was up. Um, so I was more kind of like with the Golden Dawn and what I got out of the Golden Dawn from looking into it. It seems a little bit more structural and like a get tutor or kind of become a student the oto seems a little bit more just like you know here have at it and you know tell us what you think uh, uh there wasn't any near me so then i started looking into the oto and i was like well there's one 20 25 minutes away so i guess you know if i want to go check out a secret society that's really the only one close to me um and masonry i already knew if i wanted to get involved into magic i had friends that were masons and they had told me if you want to get into that stuff you're going to have to wait a while because when you come in the door you're not going to be exposed to it and most of the people on the bottom are going to think you're crazy when you talk about it so they said uh you, you'll be wasting time so i went to the oto and checked it out 
And uh, I guess I'd say you know, five years or so later, I was uh, well, still a member, but then leaving. You know, so I guess that's like a quick thing to explain, like how I ended up into uh, being an ex-member of the OTO and practicing magic. And a lot in between joining and, and when I left. So I was like, I could take up the whole episode. So that's why I stopped it. So yeah. let's rewind here and look at some of the books you first came into contact with. You already mentioned one author, but what about some of the others? Um, I did have a uh, Lieber. I think it was Lieber O because uh, I did want to, I was interested in like learning, um, ritual stuff and that and even the person when i was explaining to them kind of what i was like interested in they had even said well they were much more of like a witchcraft the wicca they said i even think that you're looking for much more of a ceremonial type yeah. very ritualistic i was looking for something that had like all right this is exactly what you do and that's it there's no ifs ands or buts this is what's worked for us so a lot of crowley's libras are like that so the person had even suggested uh Lieber O, I think it was, because it has the ritual of the hexagram and the pentagram. Uh, they suggested Donald Michael Craig. That uh, I think it's 12 or 13 lessons in high magic. Yeah. And I think they may have actually suggested uh, a Lon Milo Duquette book, if I remember correctly. Interesting. What heritage are you from? You feel like you might have some Italian in you. Yes, yeah. Well, New York. Yeah. <laughs> <I are. laughs> That's a good chance of that. Especially Long Island, really. Exactly. Um, yeah, Italian and Irish, the the, the typical Classic. mix out there. Yep. Italian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have Sicilian in me, so we can and Scottish. Yeah, so we're yeah. close. But you know, there's a lot of this with comes down through Nona's and all this, the um, just folk stuff in yes, yes. in and amongst both Celtics and Italians. So, but you know, the Irish and the Scottish and the Italians. But I think a lot of times people don't realize how much comes down in folkish stuff through Italian families, and you know, and they're they're crossing the the cross over the chest and everything, but there's still folk magic going on. There's stuff in Italian magic that you're not going to know unless somebody verbally told you. You're not going to yeah. find it. In yeah, absolutely. Well, and no, like that's not like some like woo woo stuff. That's real, actually. No, it's real, and <laughs> you know, all of our Italians out there know this, and so it, it comes down. And again, you know, these are these are people that go to church generally, but there's folk magic. I still, to this day, I just love all those folkish ways. That's uh, very interesting to me still. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Folk magic, very interesting. Because it, to me, it's like their own their own aesthetics on how like they do things. It's, I don't know. I find it very interesting. Oh, I do too. And it seems, you know, it's culture specific. And it's yeah, not. That's what I like about it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah it, it, and so there's something that's beautiful about that these are traditions mm-hmm. and even when it comes to stirring the pasta sauce right the marinara and uh and and, and mixing up things there's just like all these wonderful little little something or others that you know for the good luck for the health of the family you know all this stuff that to some people might look crazy but to me just makes me feel warm and fuzzy <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've even, I'm almost positive they've even like done some, I don't know how they proved it, but I'm, I'm almost positive. I thought I've even seen papers on like scientific proof saying that if you're actually in a better mood when you eat, that you yes. tend to be healthier. Yep, absolutely. And then we know all that. Or in a better mood when you cook the food that you're serving people. 
Yep, absolutely. Well, and that's part of the folkish stuff. So then there's the, you know, the counterclockwise, the negative stuff for the bad people. And all this has repercussions in the real world. And folkish people that practice it, they're not coming from a baneful place with it. It's just the cultural practice and it it doesn't need to be demonized either i think it's beautiful and i think it's it's uh something that kind of binds generations together and we recognize each other it's almost like you know we're in a chimaruta you recognize each other you see the chimaruta at church at mass and you're like okay you know this other person knows these arts and in these old folkish arts are all the healing stuff how do you heal the animals in the yard especially when you start taking generations back when they didn't have access and we had to take care of ourselves, which is where we're moving now anyway. And these oral traditions, these folkish ways, are really the thread of our lives when we look at family cultures. So I love them. I, I stamp a big old heart on them. Even with the stuff I grew up with on the more Irish-Scottish side with feeding the fae to keep them away, <laughs> right? <laughs> you throw, you, you give them a little something so they don't come in. You got you got a little, you got a nail or railroad tie in the window because you don't want to be fucked with. These traditions are strong in me. Let's jump forward a little bit to the OTO. Why did you decide you wanted to leave? So you, you wanted structure, and that's a lot of the reason why some people get involved with ceremonial magic is because of what you exactly stated earlier. And I find that a good thing, especially if you're going to be conjuring up things and doing that. I feel like, because I do believe in these things, that I don't know the P's and the Q's of what they are, but I do believe in interdimensional beings and stuff like that. I believe in egregores and tulpas. You know, people feed this stuff. It's real. And so I think having strict rules and protocols is a good idea if you're going to do that stuff. So what led to your leaving the OTO? I mean, when I think when I first had got there, um, I think I kind of already knew like in before joining a secret society, uh, you know, after I had gotten the books and then was like, all right, I'm going to join a secret society. I kind of had it in my head that again, like you went into with the ceremonial magic and being regimented. uh, I had it in my head that this is something that I'm going to like go all in on. So, which is exactly why I wanted to go for something regimented. I didn't want to be like a sloppy mess, just going crazy. I wanted to actually like have stuff to go by and just know I do it this, you know, this time of day, whenever. And uh, so I I knew I was going to uh, be getting serious with that. But when I got to the OTO and after going the first few times, I did unfortunately know then that it was probably never going to be permanent. Um, and that I will say, I mean, unfortunately, just to some of the reasons for that is just mainly because of the people that I was even around. I mean, I hate to even say that, that I was going to let that ruin the experience, but, um, it just wasn't like, um, 
I was respectful of everybody there and I was never like, you know, mean or anything. And, uh, didn't really, it was pretty quiet actually and stayed to myself except for a few people. But for the most part, I'm just going to be honest. A lot of the people there, I just never would have hung out with on my own outside of the place. Yeah. Never would have been people that I would have like became friends with. So I just kind of felt like, you know, unless things change, which, you know, I could have always have happened. I mean, why I was there for as long as I was, I mean, you, it's a revolving door of, you know, new members, uh, people leaving, people moving, people, you know, whatever, just visitors. So, I mean, the vibe can change. It didn't really the whole time I was there, but you do see a lot of people come and go. So you do think maybe things will change. But for the most part, I just never felt like I completely fit in. Um, I hate using politics or political ways of explaining it because I really... To be totally honest with you, I just think both sides are screwing us. So, I oh, mean, yeah. yeah I agree. I, I, I'm not. <laughs> and I honestly, I think politics is just a magical weapon. Yes. And it, we, 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 we kill each other with this thing. Mm-hmm. So divisive. Um, but it was very much. And I mean, I could get into a little bit, but like there, there was very extreme leftist views that they pushed eventually that they did on like zoom meetings. That was like the final straw for me. But when I was there, I knew I was around people that were very much of that mindset. They were like open socialists, open communists. And it was just very weird. And I was like, you know, I'm thinking I'm like, before I moved out to Queens and when I lived down long Island, I actually couldn't have told you probably anybody's real political point of view of anything. You know, at least like 70% of my friends, I actually couldn't have told you, but it's like I almost knew everybody's when I got here and I just found that weird. Mm-hmm. You know, or it was just like, you know, is that like a handcuff or something? <laughs> Which I, I do think it is and to an extent, but, you know, just I, I was felt just weird and, you know, I wasn't a, really a part of the clicks too. You know, yeah. there was clicks there that I noticed that I just never became part of. And I do think that was because like I may have looked or seemed different than the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I just knew I wasn't going to stay permanently. Um, Eventually, down the road, there were certain things that like happened that with the order that I just wasn't a fan of. Um, When COVID came around, they did shut down, and I mean, I I, I guess at first, you know, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, maybe just out of fear and uh, not sure what it really is. But uh, eventually they just never opened up and they stick to deciding with the CDC. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I was like, I can literally walk less than two blocks away from me when I was living in Queens. I could walk around the corner and I could go walk into this beautiful Catholic church down the block. Jesus has got his doors open, but the horrors, this warrior is scary. <laughs> I was like, come on. Like, I just thought that was just weird. I was just like, you know, why are you siding with the government and the CDC? Like, I just, I don't know. And then um, they started doing Zoom meetings. So I was like, okay, I could deal with that. Now, at this point, I was already kind of even like fading out. I don't think I had really been to a meeting in probably like six months before COVID came. Um, I was just kind of like losing interest, I guess, in what was going on. Maybe there wasn't classes that was keeping me interested. Uh, I was getting, I guess, bored with doing the Gnostic Mass. I would do that sometimes. Eventually, uh, when yeah, the, this, um, COVID came, they closed down. They started doing Zoom meetings, and I could. I was like, all right, that. I just got to pop my headphones in. I don't even have to talk. I'm really not hanging out with anybody. I just got to listen. You know, sometimes they're reading books, somebody was running a class or uh, 
they have the three days of the book of the law, the three days that uh, Crowley wrote the book of the law. They do rituals on those three days in a row. Um, they weren't doing it at the lodge, but somebody would you know do something at home. And uh, I joined, you know, to check that stuff out. And then uh, eventually the thing with George Floyd happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got like an email through like, you know, like the, 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 the lodge email, like official email, like sending us a letter. You know, our lodge master was doing it through there. I don't think it was like the upper head or yeah. anything. It was our lodge Local, master, but yeah. it was like an official email saying something about the whole George Floyd incident. And then we were, they were going to have like a meeting. And if we all would like to talk about what's going on. And I was like, yo, I'm like, the OTO is, and not that I'm like uh, promoting Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's a very good example to use. They're very much as of like Alcoholics Anonymous. If it has anything to do besides Alcoholics Anonymous, we don't care. Yeah. We're just worried about this structure and keeping this going and that's it. Anything outside of that, zero fucks. <laughs> you know? So OTO is supposed to be the same exact way. So I was just like, why are we coming together for this? I just thought this was weird. So, you know, I can be, I can be an ass sometimes. So I was like, just for shits and giggles, I got to listen to this just to be like, what really? So <laughs> not that I had anything to add. I literally just went because I figured it'd be a shit show. And I was like, I got to hear this. <laughs> so I went and, uh, it, you know, really wasn't as bad at first. They were just kind of like talking about what was going on. And honestly, like I vaguely really knew what was going on. So at first I was like, all right, this is kind of informational. And then uh, it started getting into the whole racism thing. And I was like, whoa, okay, okay, here we go. And uh, they like were like making it obvious that it was. And then all of a sudden like wanted to start talking about, um, that maybe we'll go around the room and everybody could talk about like their racist experience that they had. And I was like, oh, what? what? Oh my God. And I was like, yo, this just turned into a group therapy <laughs> at the uh, OTO. Oh, and uh, I had nothing to say, and not everybody even talked either. And then uh, we got to somebody who was a lot higher up than me. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, this is another thing that I think is, is bad about secret societies and a reason why I left. One, because I saw myself doing it. And two, I saw a lot of other people doing it. You tend to put neither other members higher above you or Crowley himself on these pedestals. And we don't know these people. You know, I had this guy high up on a pedestal thinking, oh, this guy's above me. He's so nice. He's so cool. He's asked me to do rituals there. He talks to me, you know, and then I find out that he's like literally going off and promoting Antifa and saying that if they become considered domestic terrorists, we just lost all our rights. All the laws are going out the window. The United States will be screwed. So, like, we went into George Floyd to now promoting Antifa, then into promoting BLM, and then at the end, asking if we would like to actually go out and protest in in uh, Brooklyn. Oh, my God. Would we, we want to meet up, and does anybody want to make, you know, uh, uh, whatever, you know, protest signs and stuff? And I was like, yo, what just happened? Crazy. I was like, yo, this literally turned into, like, a leftist breeding and that was the last time I had done anything with them. That was the straw. I mean, I was already leaving anyway. I was only doing the Zooms because I really uh, didn't have to do much. I didn't have to really technically show my face. I just had to put in headphones. Yeah. And click the link, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, was just like a fly on the wall listening to what's going on. Uh, 
So when that happened, I, I was just like, I, I can't anymore. And and at that time, during all this stuff, I started to have, and this is just my opinion, my own magical experiences. I, I do think that, I mean, uh, and, and it's not to brag, but like when it comes to people saying like crossing the abyss or having any experiences of that, I do think I have. And in my opinion, the image that the OTO gives seems to reflect more of the handcuffs that stops me from having that experience. Oh, yeah. yeah. So then I was just like, you know, it's like all the vices that is stopping me from knowing myself and God is glorified in their imagery. And I was like, I just don't understand that at all. I was like, I am going in a completely different direction than this place emanates. And I see no reason to be a part of it anymore. That was really the main reason why I was going to leave anyway. From my own magical experiences trying to become a better person, I just didn't see a reason why I needed to go there. The thing is, is like, you know, I'm sure you could probably say this yourself. Somebody who practiced this stuff, in all honesty, this happened, the magic happens within yourself by when you're alone, in my opinion. You know, I, I do think a lot of that is, uh, you know, I think, you know, group ritual work can can work well and can get results. But I think when somebody's really trying to do something on their own, I really do think like the magic happens when you're really doing like work on yourself and it's you, you know? So I don't think I needed that lodge to go to, to know what magic is, you know? The group rituals that I've been involved in that worked were cohesive people that really understood and knew each other. The ones yes, you have to all be on the yep. same page energetically, yep. uh, mentally, yeah. You know, we're doing rituals with people coming in off the streets. I know that's it. You know, it's like, how do I know that person isn't like, you know, John Gacy in the head right now? I know, exactly. When you're in the OTO, you can get uh, baptized and you do the and communion and all that stuff. And uh, unfortunately, I wanted to get into the Gnostic Mass, which is kind of like their version of church in a sense. Yeah. And they do that often. I wanted to become a child in it, which is like one of the people that neither holds the uh, the incense burner and the incense or the salt and mortar. It's like the easiest thing. It's like your foot in the door to do it. It, just, it was a way of me getting involved and not actually like having to do much or having social anxiety about it. Yeah. So I was like, I'll, I'll go for that. But unfortunately, uh, they end up changing rules and then it was like something recently and you had to make sure you're like baptized and confirmed. And basically in those times, like... You're basically swearing yourself as like a soldier to Horus. But like, like these things are like open to the public. And like, I was like standing next to some dude that like, I've never once seen before. <laughs> he looked like he was like sweating bullets and like nobody else was. So I was like, you know, is this guy like thinking crazy shit? Like, and then, like, and then you can choose a name and he chose like this wild outlandish name. I can't remember it anymore. But like he just and he I hate to judge a book by its cover, but like he just looked off. Yeah. And I was just like, yo, like if people like this were to show up to rituals, how do you know what type of energy is getting? In? And really, ritual is such an intimate thing. Yes. You're sharing energy and it's, you know, it's as intimate to me as sex and, yes, and yes, seeing how people that. handle sex. You know, you can see the difference in different kinds of people. And this stuff, though, is on a spiritual level, and it goes very, very deep. I've never understood the, how casual it can be with some of these orders. It's interesting. I liked your point earlier of how you just didn't fit. 
And that was my experience through a bunch of different orders. Like, I just oh, don't no. fit here. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, I think really ruins it too the most is the politics of the order. Politics anywhere ruin it for me. Yeah. But like, mean, not even like actual, like, you know, worrying about the government, but just the politics of itself. Of the right. Government. The infighting oh, and the weirdness. Yes. And, oh. Yeah. Yeah. The clicks. Oh, my God. I mean, I was, I was, this was another thing that even made me want to leave the OTO at one point because I was just watching the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. People would like shit on James Wasserman mm-hmm. because he was very much a libertarian. Mm-hmm. So like the far <laughs> left people in the lodge that I was in would like say some very mean things about him. Obviously, he wasn't there, but he's like a well-known person. And then when he died. All of a sudden, like people that I remember specifically saying some very crazy stuff right out of their mouth in front of people now all of a sudden have the nicest, most sweetest things to say about this guy mm-hmm. in public or at the lodge. And I was like, yeah, this is disgusting. People are, uh, you know, so often disgusting. And then this idea when someone dies, the idea of ownership, it was my best friend and all that stuff. Um, the ownership that happens around death too is really ugly. I've I've noted through so many deaths, but especially if the person's well known or had you know held some sort of respectable position. I'm not a group person, and I had to just ultimately. I knew this as a little kid, but my insatiable need for wanting to know, wanting information wanting to learn and i of course love to look into the darkness i'm not afraid and so that will lead you into these interesting places and yeah. it's funny how everything kind of looks the same no matter where you are yes with the you know, with these kinds of group dynamics with interpersonal politics with infighting and uh weird pecking orders and oto is a structured unit anyway so you know everyone's you know there's titles just like the masons and other yes. uh, other organizations so there already is that stuff, yeah. yeah ultimately it's a good experience if you're a person who's looking for experience and exposure because it, it brings the wisdom out in you don't you think Yes, and that was the major reason that I was like, all right, if I'm not joining something that was going to be as strict as the Golden Dawn, I wanted to be around people that, and and there was, there was, like I said, I did become friends with a few people, and there was people there that I truly think did actually know what magic with a K was. I was able to, you know, pick their brains sometimes, or just listen to, like, what they're working on, and, like, I had found out about so many different books and ways and styles of magic i probably would have taken me forever or i might have dismissed as silly because like i had no idea and just came across it on the internet like i i did was able to learn and uh, learn from others that's important and ultimately i think that's one of the the reasons why we're here but uh, you know the craziness of what's going on and the the whole lefty thing is unbelievable. I mean un unbelievable how it's all turned into purgatorio, everything outside in the world and how crazy making it is to watch as an observer, you know, everything that they've gone after Trump for 
the other side's doing worse and there's more actual real receipts. Take the goggles off and look at this for what it is and you're just putting your head in your palm, you know? It's bizarre. And then we look out to the bigger stage and it's just crazier. And now we're looking at, you know, what looks like weapon warfare everywhere and everyone wants to call it climate change and and you know if we're looking at this stuff really and we're considering all the options i mean who at this point that would be listening to us trust the cdc who at this point trusts the fda who at this point trusts any of these government officials? Like, what reason have they given us to trust them? We are forced to look in other places. And I love boots on the ground. I love talking to people I know. I love looking at videos from real people. I love the real and the raw and not the narrative. But I'm intrinsically absolutely enthralled by the narrative because they are just weaving spells to the collective. Don't you think? That's what it was too. That's like trying to think of how do I explain it? When I was like, even when I found out that I wanted to join the OTO and even when I was going, like I could even find books online and find things that I seemed interested in. Like I could even start practicing it, but it didn't feel like, until I like started talking about the theory and my practice with somebody else who had the experience of doing it before at the OTO, I really wasn't like, I was still felt lost or confident. I wasn't confident. I felt kind of neither lost or it's like um, really being able to actually talk to a real physical person in front of me or actually seeing like uh, videos and stuff done by people that were kind of respected in the, in this, uh, in the OTO. Some of them do have videos on YouTube but uh it, it to me it made a whole of a difference being actually like um talking to somebody and kind of like in it than kind of like viewing it from the internet i don't regret any of my time in real groups uh, in fact i would do it again i could see that i would just if i did i would do it again with a different outlook of why i'm there yeah well, I went in curious. I go, I've gone in everything. <laughs> Everything's curious with me. And yeah. so, but, you know, I've always felt like a bit of a monk or a nun, I guess. And uh, where I, I'm onto myself and I'm kind of walking the terrain as a whole person, not needing anything. And that that kind of fills that need for external validation I've had that ever since I was little. And so that was something that has shielded me from getting sucked into like group think and participation mystique and all that. Well, you know, I was even thinking of just like, even symbolically, uh, you want to take a look at like the hermit. I mean, in my opinion, like, and, and it's from experiences of my own that I didn't even realize was happening. And other people that I think have had like some pretty uh, magical experiences in their work. It seems like when uh, you end up starting to kind of pull away from, you know, it would make sense to me if I was magically progressing to actually leave the herd and kind of go off on my own. You know, because I'm going to be working on myself. I'm going to be doing like the shadow work on me. Yeah. So I, I think like if you're kind of like, 
progressing magically. There's going to be times of solid, you know, being by yourself, you know, when you're in it, I think like in it for real then, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, so I, I can see the whole like coming and going. I get yeah. that. It's interesting, but you know, I do think that, being familiar with these structures, especially through ceremonial stuff, then one can look out and say the political arena, the corporate arena, the medical and the psychological fields, and you can see the same structure everywhere once you understand it. You know, I see this in the work you do. You talk about it. You're always talking about the Kabbalah and... um you know, it, it is familiar, and this is why a lot of us do dot connecting for people to help them understand that we're seeing the same thing over and over again. It's identifying it and then identifying how the application is being used yeah. and to what ends. It's like trying to find the programs and being like, all right, what are you actually here to do? <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> totally so all right so we've got all that that goody juicy stuff so moving forward what made you decide to come forward and start start you know getting on your platform and diving into this stuff in a public way the way you do now I hate to say it because, like, I no longer really play into it anymore. I did kind of say that before with the uh, with the politics. But, like, when I did get out of the OTO, and, and I guess, again, maybe because of my experience with all of a sudden them being so far left, or some of them were vocally far left in that Zoom meeting, um, when I got out and, like, you know, the... the for the majority, when I was in the OTO, it's funny. It's like all of a sudden I forgot about conspiracies. A lot of the podcasts and shows I used to watch, I didn't anymore because I switched over to stuff on magic and occultism, witchcraft. So, like, I kind of really wasn't paying attention to really much of anything besides magic and stuff like that. And when I came, you know, when I stopped going, I was like, all right, well, let me start, you know, just went back paying attention to things I was kind of interested in prior because I wasn't, you know, 24-7 uh, ceremonial magic anymore. Uh, I was like, yo, I was like, it is glaringly obvious to me that the left is, like, totally a magical psyop. So when I first came yeah. out, it was really much more of, like, yeah, I'm an XOTO member, and, like, I understand magic symbolism, and, like, the left is, like, screwing us. <laughs> and But then eventually I dove into more things. But that is what actually kind of was like, oh, man, I got to, uh, I got to, like, start, like, start something and start putting out my voice on this, because from having my experience with magic and in the OTO and, like, understanding Thelemic symbolism a tiny bit, to my opinion, uh, a lot of politics and then movies and music, I mean, everybody knows that now with movies and music, but to me, I was just like, it is glaring, like, it is way more obvious than I ever thought prior to getting into and practicing it. You know, and the funny thing is, is like, even when I was in the OTO, people would make jokes about, oh yeah, the Illuminati. Like people would like make jokes of like the, all the symbolism people think is out there. And then after I left, I was like, no, it's actually 10 times worse. And you people are like you know, playing it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, I have to make a podcast about this or something or you know, try to do something. 
So it was mainly because of like how I saw politics, I guess, at that time was manipulating people horribly because like we were still getting like um, the kid with the gun. I forgot his name. Uh, people burning stuff down. I mean, there was there was like still like crazy stuff going on. And I was like, yo, this is all a magical psyop. You know, these my opinion, when you mentioned egregores before, I had wondered during that chaotic time where riots and people getting shot and burning buildings down i do question and think sometimes maybe that's like an egregore just like controlling people's minds and just making them weird doing do crazy stuff oh like I, an, I think like so a, this, this black cloud just like creeping over people's brains and taking control of them and causing like chanting and groups of people acting crazy oh yeah and then you start throwing it's in nutty. frequency and radio frequency and millimeter waves and oh. you start and then talking everybody else this. starts creating their own frequency that then if you know influences the next one yeah it's a big cauldron what do you think about where we are with all this it, it's all kind of in the open now i mean at least to people like us that are looking it's all out of the closet so to speak or out from behind the curtain it's blatantly obvious to the point where it looks like a cartoon or cartoonish or surreal or uncanny it amazes me that a lot of people are really under the spell but i know that there's a lot of electronic warfare going on and that People are being manipulated at very deep levels. And, of course, you know, brain entrainment, hypnotics, flicker mm -hmm. rates, all this stuff's at play. So where are you it's landing? Sound. I mean, colors and sound, you could be screwed just from that. Oh, absolutely. It's old school. So what are you seeing when you're looking at that in, in this position from where we are now? I think... Uh, I think it's and it's almost getting like to the point now, but in my opinion, um, I think it's quite possible that even amongst us in the conspiracy the community, you know, truthers and normies and everybody, I think at some point it's going to be that either the TV turns you insane or you're not. I think as crazy as that sounds, uh, I think, you know, it was something that you had said before that I appreciate you like boots on the ground. I mean, and I'm not discrediting truth out there. I'm sure there's plenty of truth, but there's like a lot of things that we get shown that's like, you know, oh, this was from over there and this is what happened and I'm telling you this and now you believe it. I think we're in, a, in an age where people, are in, you know, it could be trolls, it could be done on purpose, it could be occult orders, it could be three-letter agencies. I think we're actually being fed a lot and a lot of lies on the internet. Oh yeah. I think it starts to get cults going and like hive mind thinking. And at some point I'm not a very religious person. Um, so this isn't like coming from like a religious thing. I just think it's quite just from magical experiences and just stuff in occultism. I think that if like, if you just keep, believing lies um, without any question, you're just going to be doomed to keep repeating this matrix. Oh, absolutely. You'll be eaten up by it. What do you think demons and entities are? What do you, what's your idea of them? 
Uh, it could be multiple things, actually. Uh, I do think it's possible that it's like some sort of um, different type of like vibrational energy just coming into our reality that just doesn't uh, doesn't equate something too well once it manifests here. Um, I even do think that uh, it's quite possible that some demons are really just projections of somebody else's mind that's here. And I think that's quite possible. So, oh yeah, I mean, I'm open to a few different possibilities. There's some type of energy coming into this reality, or people actually projecting it, like possibly out of their eyes or from their brain or something. As silly as that sounds, but I, I do believe that. Well, it's it's not silly, and I think that to have a big table with a lot on it is a wise thing. For me, I keep the open mind. So, uh, I mean, I like, and I think a lot of that even goes back to my belief that, like, some poltergeist stuff, I think, is actually human created. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I, people I say, "Well, that was a demon." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So then, maybe you know. Well, I think a lot of what we have experienced in the paranormal world is actually electronic warfare. Uh, yeah, I see. I, that's something that I say a lot too on my own show. I think you can boil magic down to electricity. Yeah, yep. It's in some of the magical tomes, too, that they ride on the currents. We know that there's a lot going on there. And then we're talking about water and carbon and conductivity and magnetics and mesmerism and all this. And we start to get a different kind of picture when we weave in everything that's got patents behind it, that has come forward or not, more often than not, when I hear something that sounds crazy and I go looking, I find there are patents. And usually the patent holders are three-letter agencies are just you know straight up openly the hardcore governments of different countries. I covered uh, weather manipulation patents, and I think the first one that you can find when you look up the guy's name and find his gravestone and and find his obituary, you find out that he's got a Masonic symbol on his gravestone, and he was a Mason. Mm -hmm. So now I'm not discrediting all of them. I'm not saying they're all bad people. It's just funny how, like, the first one that you can find since the patent office has burnt down and been rebuilt, the first weather uh, manipulation was by a Mason. (laughs) (laughs) Like, come on. It was a long time ago. Yeah, well, it's the Brotherhood. So also here in this territory where we are right now, this idea of of the eye, and you did a series on the eye, and how we optically see things, how it's inverted and, and, and put back in. What do you think the significance is of that physical sense so we're not talking about the psychic sense behind it because obviously i can close my eyes and you can as someone who wasn't born blind i can close my eyes and you say picture an apple and i can see an apple without my physical eyes etc there's a lot of power here you did a series on it let's talk about the eye for a little bit here uh that question is (laughs) What do I think about it, I guess, physically, you were saying? Yeah, you know, give us a little breakdown on how we traverse this terrain and how the eye, our optic nerve, 
Oh, like this stuff, basically what I was getting into. Yes. Yeah, because I think, you know, you covered a lot of territory there, but I I know that this is very important and it ties into what our physical senses are versus what our extra or our fifth or sixth senses, our ESP, all that stuff. There is a bridge here. Oh, yeah. You know, and and something that I do want to at least mention, too, before I get into it, is that even uh, we're going to eventually cover like uh, the brain and the ears. There is even other parts of the body that we're not going to get into. Maybe we'll mention it. But like even I think if I can remember correctly, even starting in the eye, you will see almost the same shape of something replicating throughout your whole body. And that is weird to me, I thought. Like, you're going to get in the eyes, the brain, and then down here, lower in the reproductive system. It's like, what? Yeah. You know, so I even find that interesting how it's like, I do question, is like everything just a reflection of something else? It's really well, weird. Well, that starts to look like fractals. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah, exactly. It's like a kaleidoscope or something. <laughs> um, what I had started to come across, I, now, I, I don't know why, but like when I had a magical experience, I was actually starting to like think that like something was changing inside myself. Um, I had even gotten to the point to where I, you know, I've admitted that I even went to the hospital and cause I did not feel right. And I had even noticed like physical changes with me. Um, one of my pupils was four millimeters bigger than the other. Um, and this happened like coming out of like a meditation slash magical experience. And I was like, Oh, that's not normal. And in my experience wasn't normal either. So I was like really questioning what happened. And uh, I was just not feeling right. I felt like I constantly had like static electricity going up and down my legs. My head felt like it was going to pop. My vision wasn't really all that great. It hurt a lot. And this is going to sound crazy, but there'd be times where it's like something would look like it appears because like a, a, a beam of light kind of like shined up out of the ground and turned into what it was supposed to be. It sounds weird, but it's like I was like seeing shit like that. And so I was determined like something is off, like something's wrong with me. Yeah. If I'm, you know, and uh, it went on for about a day or two. And then eventually uh, I was like, yo, I'm not really feeling much better. And I was like starting to feel like that. I was like almost having a magical experience without trying to do it. And I guess the best way I could say that felt like is if it was almost like a constant like feeling like I was going to black out, I guess, or like fade out, but I wasn't like trying to do that. And uh, I was like, yo, I think there's something wrong. And I brought myself, there was like a hospital 10 minutes away. I brought myself there and I started explaining my stuff and they're like, all right, we're going to check to make sure you're not like stroking out this and that. Um, They ended up keeping me there for like three days and then I left and the most they got out of it was that they thought I had migraines and uh, they didn't understand why my eye changed, but they did notice that it did change. And they said, You're, you can still see fine. Um, but my hemoglobin level was jacked up. And they said my blood was basically like syrup. So they gave me another bag of blood and a bag of saline. That I actually found was interesting. Totally all of the topic. Start yeah, talking that, about blood and magic. That, but. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, when, that, when they told me that, I was just looking. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Like, I really do not want to be told like that blood is a thing right now, and yeah. no matter which way, you know, because then it starts opening up all these ideas. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I know. I pump the brake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was already blown away by the eyeball. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
you know, so I, I obviously thought that something I had a physical change or physical reaction to it. And I started to think like I, as crazy as it sounded, like even when I went to go see the eye specialist after I got out of the hospital, I had told the lady, I was like, listen, I was like, I think it's quite possible that like I may have like, I was like, is it possible to look back into your brain or like not like look the normal way you normally look? And um, she was like, well, no, it's kind of like she was explaining to me like how like your eyeball. She was telling me like wouldn't turn like and she started to try to show me how light reflects in your eye and to show me like how that is impossible to be able to like turn your eyeball around. Yeah. And that's not what I was asking her anyway. That's <laughs> what she took my question. And uh, she drew basically the unicrystal hexagram that's on my arm. So I showed it to her and I was like, oh, so like that. And she's looking at it. and She was like, oh, she's like, yeah, that's really interesting. She's like, what is that? And I told her and she was like, wow, she's like. She's like, I'm very open. She's like, I do think there's things that we don't know about, things we can't see. She's like, you've piqued my interest with this. So, like, I was like, so I was like, basically saying to her, I said, so, like, if my energy went back into my head, like, she was like, yes. <laughs> but um, I, because of even that, of her drawing that thing and it matching that thing on my arm, I was like, yo, I am determined there is something up with my eyeball. And then starting to look into how the lens works in your eyeball, it does reflection. And you know, it's almost looked like a laser light show being reflected in there. And I started uh, looking into stuff and was like seeing a lot of commonalities, in my opinion, in like occult architecture, religious architecture, uh, tarot cards, I thought, uh, flat earth models. And I'm not saying that I'm denying or discrediting flat earth because I think you can find it in your eyeball. It's just another coincidence. Oh yeah. There was just a lot of things that I think you can, that I started to find in there logos from like, you know, political and government agencies. And it just got really weird. And, uh, but a lot of tarot, I thought, and I thought there was a lot of stuff that matched the Kabbalah. And basically with what I try to show in the eyeball series is that I think that there are things in our eyeballs that are actually like, literally used in, in, in like one of the many meanings and many depths of a meaning to something. I do think the eyeball is a, a part of it actually. Yeah. I think it's heavily mirrored in the outer world as well. And, yes. And yes. With yes. intent with a hundred percent intent. And when you were talking earlier about say flat versus round, I've not been up in orbit to say one way or another. So like everything else in my life, until I can experience it, I'm not getting in anyone's bandwagon. And one of the things I found interesting, though, was the convex aspect and how how that shapes us. And when we look at like a fisheye lens, which is a lot of what we get when they show us images of the earth from up high, right? It's usually fisheye. There's a curvature and, you know, I find that intriguing. I have a lot of questions. And so that we have this in our eye, that it's part of our eye, that that's part of our perceptual reasoning and functioning as to what is going on outside of us and what the outer world is. It's a maze of information. And I think breaking it down to, the physicality of our senses is such a good way to get 
an understanding of what we are and how we're surfing the waves of what is outside of us. Because there's that old occult saying, if you can experience it, it's not you. This is always been something I've contemplated that, that little saying and looking at the outer world and then thinking about people in the realm of psychology that I've admired, Carl Jung has been my main guy since I was quite, quite young because he's a mystic and (laughs) he, I mean, and I think other mystics understand that. He's an OTO saint actually. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I could go on. I, I can go on ad nauseum about, Oh, you know what? That would be wonderful. So how the outer world is always at interplay with us, but at the same time, on a depth psychological level, and even if we apply, say, the alchemical uh, philosophies of the old school, we can see that these symbols are playing, and we can see and learn from these symbols that are playing, but is it all real or is it not real? And that's the thing. And the way the optic nerve twists things, like turns it upside down. And, you know, this whole thing about reversing and mirrors and convex mirrors is so intriguing to me. And I think a lot of people don't spend enough time kind of ruminating in this territory to understand a little bit of the physics of how that's all working. We, it behooves us to think about these things in mystical ways because the stuff that's being used against us is being used against us vis-a-vis mystical ways. Whether people want to pull up to that or not, it's literally everywhere, like you're saying. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I mentioned you, and you mentioned the optic nerve just now before. And you know how, like I even mentioned earlier, how I think you sometimes can boil magic down to, you know, electricity and stuff like that. Um, Even just with the optic nerve, when you get up into the back of your eyeball, it's taking the light from the sun and then converting it into an electrical pulse into your brain. Now we're cooking with gas. Do people even realize that? I know. Now we're cooking with gas because we are back to the body electric. and how important that is. I think, Nick, we should have a little break and come back. What do you think? Sounds good. As we're closing out here, tell us how people find you in the world and all that good stuff. I got uh, the NY Patriot Show and the Occult Rejects that is on uh, all major podcasts. And uh, I do have a bit shoot and rumble for both of those and a YouTube channel that has uh, both the occult rejects and the my patriot show that's uh the occult rejects it's called so i have all that yeah you're out there you're real easy to find nick i want to thank you for coming to the cosmic salon and spending a couple hours with us this was quite fun a nice way to spend the afternoon thank you I enjoyed it. thank you very much